So we're going to do that, the last of the series on stand, and today we're going to be talking about standing in prayer. So before we get any further into the message, stand up. Just like the sign says, stand. Okay, we're going to put the armor on. If you're, if you're a visitor, this is what we've been doing. We've been putting the armor on uh, in imagination, in our imaginations or like with our hands kind of looking like we're actually doing it. Okay, so what do we put on first church? We put on the? Okay, look at your neighbor. Make sure they're putting the belt on. Click the belt. Cinch it up. Okay. What do we put on next? Breastplate of righteousness. We cover that. Well, whose righteousness? His righteousness. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's not our righteousness. What do we put on next then? Shoes. Shoes, shoes of peace. Come on, put your shoes on. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't wear socks. That's okay. Rose, did you wear socks? <laughs> Just I'm just kidding. Uh, what's the next piece of, uh, of, of arm, uh, armor we put on? Now, what do you do? You have to do what with that? You have to take it up. Okay, so let's take up the shield of faith. All right, you got your shield up. What does it do? Quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. All right, that's cool. You're, you're, you're getting this down. The next one is what? Something else you have to put on, the, the helmet of salvation. You know, what does it do? It guards your heart and your mind, doesn't it? Brings it gives us peace. Uh, it's not just about our salvation. It's about, it's about the peace of mind that we have through Christ. Next, uh, the next piece of armor is what? It's our offensive weapon. Yeah, y'all, some of y'all got it down. Come on, get you. Let's pull it out. All right. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? But what kind of word is it? The spoken, the rhema word. Say rhema. The spoken word of God. That's when the, the, the word of God comes alive in us. Amen. Okay, then the last piece of armor or our weaponry is what? Pray. Pray always with all kinds of prayers. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the armor of God. And you said for us to put on the whole armor. So, Father, that we might stand in Jesus' name. Now you can sit. <laughs> stand, sit, stand, sit. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians 6. I want to read this scripture every week. So this is the last week. I hope you've gotten it. I hope you've underlined it. I hope you've memorized some of it. Uh, we're going to be in the New King James today. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren. Say finally. finally. That means this is really important that you get this, okay? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Come on, you've got to hear that. You've got to know that. It's not your might. It's His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to... Stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the wiles are the strategies, the plans, the schemes of the enemy. That means he is a schemer. He's a liar. So it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual uh, hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That just means we got an enemy and he's a lot of places. He's got his cohorts. He's got his army. He's got his, he's got his demons. He's got his minions, whatever you want to call them. In the spirit world, there is a demonic force, and Paul wants us to know that it's real. Okay? So you've got to know that it's real. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand 
in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand. He's pretty adamant about this word stand, isn't he? Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench every or all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the rhema word of God. That word word is rhema in the Greek, which means it's alive. Now, most people I've ever heard, when you ask them to quote the, quote the uh, armor of God, they'll tell you that. The uh, way well, you put on this, you put that, that, and that, and that. But they, they stop when they get to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. They don't mention the praying. And I've always wondered, why, do they, why does everybody stop? And when, they, when, when you get to that part, it says to pray. Okay? Uh, but let's, let's look at the next one. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You see, prayer is not just an armor, it's also our weapon. It's both. Say it's both. So if you leave out, if you, if you get all the armor, you armor up and you forget to pray and you, you, don't, you don't step into that next piece of armor or that take up that weapon of prayer, it's like a football team and they get all dressed up. Man, they get their pads on. Man, they get their helmet on. They get all their shoes. They get taped up. They got everything that they need. And they get all ready and they just sit in the locker room and don't do anything. They don't go out and face their opponent. That's what a lot of Christians are like. I'm armored up. What are you doing with it? Well, I'm just sitting here waiting on that rhema word. And then I get the rhema word. What are you going to do with the rhema word? I don't know. I think I'll just sit here a little bit longer. You know, pastor said we're just supposed to stand. But see, if you just get that, if you just get that part of standing, you don't understand that we have an offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is prayer. Then we will not advance the kingdom of God the way he wants us to. See, some of us, yeah, pastor, I've been putting the prayer, I've been putting the armor of God on every morning. I've been really doing what you've been saying to do. But have you engaged in prayer? Have you engaged the Lord and the Holy Spirit in prayer so you can hear what he wants you to do and then you can be active in what he wants you to do? 2 Timothy 2.3 says this, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Why would he call us soldiers? Well, he just said to put on the armor in Ephesians 6. What do soldiers do? They armor up. They get their weapons. They, have, they know what their weapons are about, and they are ready. They are standing by. They are alert because they know at any moment we could be attacked. They know at any moment a terrorist attack could happen in this country, and they're aware of it, and they're, they're seeking, and they're trying to figure it out, but they want to be, uh, they want to be on their toes, their spiritual toes, their physical toes. They, they have intelligence that says, listen, there might be an uprising over here. So they get ready. Listen, listen, there's an uprising here in this city. There's an uprising in this country. If y'all aren't aware of it, I, I don't, you must be living in a cave somewhere to think that everything is going smoothly in our country and in our world. Because it's not. We're under attack. Say, we're under attack. So you better be ready. You better be armored up, but you better have a prayer life. It's so important that we have a prayer life. We need to consider ourselves as soldiers in God's army. Amen? How many of you have been under assault this week? Come on, just raise your hands. You've been under assault this week. You know the enemy's attacked you in some area of your life. All hands all over the place. But I could ask you, how did you respond to that? Well, Pastor, I really well, he blindsided me. See, he likes to blindside people. But if you're armored up, remember what we talked about, that shield, that the breastplate, all that we talked about, we're covered. 
But are you covered? Are you ready? Are you praying? Are you seeking the Lord's face? So we're armored up. We have the sword of the Spirit. We're waiting on the raiment word of the Lord, and then we move forward in prayer. So I'm going to move forward in prayer. Why, why, would, why would we do all that and not pray? I'll tell you why. Because we don't recognize the power of prayer. We can arm up and, hey, that sounds good, Pastor. That's good, man. I'm, I've got my helmet. I've seen a lot of people, they want to stick that helmet of salvation on and say, I'm good. I'm good. And he says, listen, if you do it all, he said, then you pray. And you pray all kinds of prayers. Pray all kinds of prayers. Because there's power in prayer. Let me read Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 from the Amplified Vision uh, version. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose, him is a capital H, that's Jesus, to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare ask. What is asking? Prayer. Okay. Or think. Can you pray in your mind? Okay. Infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams according to what? His power that is at work within us. I see that scripture as him saying that there is power in prayer because I'm working in you because it's the Holy Spirit in you, working in you and through you. And I can do more than you even think or ask or imagine. But so why don't we ask? Why don't we why don't we think beyond what we're our little? Oh, Lord, if you'll just do this for me. And God says, why are you asking for so little when I want to give you so much? I'm the super abundant God. I'm the more than enough God. We're more than conquerors. We, we settle so often just for the pittance, the leftovers in our spiritual life when God says, I've got so much more for you. Why do you just want to get by? To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. James 5.16 in the Passion says, Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power, say tremendous power, is released to the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Do you believe that? Oh, man. That was the weakest yes I've heard in a long time. Which suggests that maybe some of you have a hard time believing that. Which suggests to me that's why you probably don't do it. Well, Pastor, you're already stepping on my toes. Hey, you know what? When I step on yours, I'm usually stepping on my own, so just get over it. Okay? Just get over it. Learn from it. There is power in prayer. Go back to 618 Ephesians. Praying always, Paul says, with all prayer. Say all prayer. prayer. And supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The Amplified says this. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific request at all times, on every occasion, and in every season, in the spirit, And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition 
interceding in prayer for all God's people. In case you didn't or you weren't aware of it, we are a charismatic church. You look us up on the internet, it'll say non-denominational. I don't even know what that means. I, I don't. I think that's a man-made term. I never saw that in the Bible. But we, we call ourselves a non-denominational church. Now, some non-denominational churches are not charismatic. Do y'all know that? So it doesn't mean we're charismatic because you put non-denominational. The only, reason, only way you'll know that we're a charismatic church by our website or by our belief is that and when you go to our beliefs, what we believe about the Holy Spirit. That, that's what defines a church that's a, a charismatic church. And when you say charismatic, that really tr- truly means you just believe in, you believe in the gifts because charisma is the word is in Greek, is, for, is gifts. And it's supernatural gifts that God has given us that you read about in, mostly in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. And so when I say we're a charismatic church, we're also a five-fold ministry church. People go, well, what is that? Well, that's an Ephesians 4.11 church, that we believe that there are still apostles, there are still prophets, not just, apostles, not just evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We're a five-fold ministry that does it, that, that are to equip the saints. And if you don't understand that, you need to read your Bible because it's in Ephesians 4. And nothing has changed since that I believe since that's been written. I don't think God would come along and say, you know what, I should have taken that out. I shouldn't, because a lot of people don't like those two. And a lot of churches say, well, those don't exist anymore. And then a lot of people will get in their pulpits and they say, well, the gifts have ceased. And they go to one verse in the scripture that says, you know, all these things will cease. But they fail to mention that knowledge in that verse also says it will cease at the same time. So I, here, here's the thing. We're a charismatic church. I used to be a part of a man or a denominational church that believed all that stuff ceased. And then I started actually reading the Bible for myself. So we're a charismatic church. Now, if you're here this morning, you're a visitor, and you heard somebody uh, praying in tongues, and you probably you might feel very uneasy about it. And I can understand that. I've been in churches before that I was not, I was not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't have the gift of tongues. I didn't pray in tongues. And I heard other people, and I thought they were, I thought they were just a little bit kooky, weird, strange. Right? How many of you ever did that before? You went to a church, they were praying in tongues, and you're like, what have they been smoking? Yeah? So we're, we, are, we are a church, and, and I don't, even the charismatic label is not a, a great label. I, I like this one. I like that we're a power and a word church. Uh, a lot of churches focus in, these are be Bible churches. They focus on the word. We're a Bible teaching church. Well, that's great. But if you're a Bible teaching church, you better be teaching about the Holy Spirit because they go together perfectly. And, and we don't, you don't have to choose sides. That's what, what boggles my mind about churches that preach against certain things that are in the Bible. Why don't you just say, I don't understand that. I'm not going to preach against it, but I just don't understand it. That, that would be better. But they actually, they actually, almost in a blasphemy way, they say these things have ceased. And I just don't think I have the right to say that. Do you? So we're, we're a five-fold ministry church. We're, we're a charismatic church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. So when I read a scripture like that in James 5, that we, we do believe that there's power in prayer. But that when you look at that in the context of it, it says we anoint people with oil. We pray the prayer of faith over them. Over them. Have you ever, have ever uh, many of you went to a church before? And they said, if you need healing, come forward. We'll anoint you with oil. And you went like, what kind of oil is that? Crisco? Uh, well, what, what, motor oil? What are you doing? Because it sounds strange, doesn't it? That everything, everything we do kind of is strange in the world's eyes, right? 
But we're a people of faith. And we believe the word of God. We believe that every jot and tittle of it is true. So Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication, which means that's a specific request in that context, in the spirit. I believe he's speaking of all kinds of prayers there. He says all kinds of prayers, including praying in your prayer language. But spirit-led prayers do not necessarily, they don't have to necessarily be in an unknown tongue. Y'all understand that? You can pray a spirit-led prayer in Spanish or English also, whatever your native language is. But a lot of our prayers are not spirit-led. They're not in the spirit. A lot of our prayers are, how do I put it, selfish prayers. Uh, out of our own intellect. Out of our own wishes and our own desires. Sometimes we pray in error. Anybody ever prayed in error? And God did bring that woman to you and you don't like her anymore? <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Edit. I don't think we can edit live stream. The Bible actually addresses praying in error. It's in James it says, you ask, you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Anybody ever pray a soulish prayer? Lord, I, wanna, I hate this job. Get me another job. And God says, that's where, exactly where I want you to be. Right? Uh, you haven't finished what I've called you to do there, so why, do you, why are you praying to get me to get you out of there? How many of you have ever prayed for something and, God, and God's finally relented and gave it to you and is like, oh, man, God, why did you do that? Right? It's in the Bible. People prayed and prayed and prayed, and God said, no, 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 and then they just, okay, you can have it. But you know what God will do in the process of that is he'll teach you something. He'll teach you something. So we really need to understand when he talks about all these prayers, we put the armor of God on, then we, he says we are, are to pray. We're to pray in a way that honors God. That, and and these, this whole armor thing is about the, the attack of the enemy. So he's saying get armored up and then pray. Here, here's a great way to pray. Let me give you some basics before we get into talking about praying in tongues, okay? Because that's, that's what a lot of people are interested in, is especially from uh, an, a charismatic point of view. But here's, you might want to write this down. The good way to pray is, is, is ACTS, A-C-T-S, A-C-T-S. I see a few people writing it down, people typing it in their notes, or they're playing video games. I'm not sure what you do. A is for adoration. A lot of people, you start your prayers, and man, you're just like, Lord, <laughs> you so always in my bank account. I need money now. And you forget to adore him and praise him. Listen, you should start your prayers out with praise. You should start your prayers out with praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy. That's what Jesus said to start your prayers. Heavenly Father, Lord, God, you are awesome. God, I love you. I adore you. You are, you are above everything. You're, you're, you're incredible. You're God. So you can start out your prayers with A, which is adoration. The, the second thing, if you, if you, the C is for confession. Lord, is there anybody I need to 
forgive today? Do I need to ask you to forgive me? Is there a sin? Is there a sin problem that I've got that's going on in my life that I need to confess to you? When you start praying, sometimes we just go before God and we don't, we don't even clean house first. We just get right in there with all the stuff that we want. So we ask amiss. And God says, whoop, 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 whoop. stop, stop, back up, Harold. Remember that thing that you, yeah, uh-huh, okay, you want to confess that? Yes, yes, Lord, I want to confess. Forgive me of that. I want to come before you with a clean heart, pure heart. Confession. The third is thanksgiving. T is for thanksgiving. That's different than adoration. That's, that's actually just thanking God. You know what we don't do anymore? A lot of times we don't do. We don't thank God for what he's going to do. We don't thank God in faith. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. You don't see it yet, but you just thank him for it anyway. You start being proactive in your thanksgiving. Thank him for the blessings. I mean, that's what we did all day Thursday, or some of you did, because lost, most of us... We said, thank you, Lord. God is great. God is good. Let's thank for the food. Amen. Let's go. Let's dig in. Right? And how many of us do that at prayer? Just, oh, thank you, Lord. This is good. Go. Let's, let's eat. And we don't, do real, we don't have that introspect of thanksgiving. I love it in our family. When we get together, we're a hand-holding family. And we just gather together as a family. And we're, we're just thankful. Uh, the older you get, the more thankful you get, I think. Can I get a witness from all the senior citizens? Thank you, Lord, that I could get out of bed this morning. Thank you, Lord, that I have breath in my lungs. Thank you, Lord, that I'm able to get to church this morning. I sound like Joel Osteen. (laughs) Oh, boy. Not even close. (laughs) The S is for supplication. That's when you bring your request to God for, on behalf of other people. How many of you got some people on your prayer list right now? How many of you got a long list on you? Long, a lot, of, a lot of people on your prayer list. Pam, you have nobody on your prayer list? Well, then I ask. Yeah, yeah, I got a few. How many of you got people on your prayer list? Raise your hands. Okay. Everybody in here ought to have somebody on your prayer list. Everybody in here ought to have somebody that you're interceding for. You know what that shows me when we're interceding for others? That means that God has put within our heart some compassion. He's put within our heart a love for other people. He said that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, that means you might want to be praying for your neighbor. Not condemning your neighbor, not pointing out the wrong things in your neighbor, but start praying for your neighbor. Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It's really easy to remember. But he's talking about spiritual warfare prayers here. So get your heart, your mind, get everything ready. When you step in, you've got the armor on because the enemy, you know, you may be under attack. And then you, he says, there's another way that you could pray, and it's to pray in the Spirit. Now, I'm not here to embarrass anybody. How many of you in here have a private prayer language? Raise your hands. Okay. Thank you. How many of you do not have a private prayer language? Raise your hands. Don't be embarrassed. Not here to embarrass anybody. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. And a lot of people go, I don't even know what that means. Well, it's actually not in the Bible. Not the words private prayer language. Okay. We have kind of come up with that one too. We, you know, religious, religions have come up with lots of nice little terms, little languages. And, and that's a charismatic language. Do you have your private prayer language? Right? You know what I'm talking about? 
Okay, I'm part of a spirit-filled church. You know, okay, I want to I want to get into that a little bit more. All right. So if we're we're talking about having a private prayer language, what in the world does that mean? Especially for us that don't have one. Okay, for you that don't have one, look at Romans eight twenty-six. Now the next two scriptures I'm going to read are in in context. I, I like to do context, so you might want to go back and read on Romans eight and then in Jude, but. It's in the context of spiritual warfare. Because we are in spiritual war. If you're a believer, whether you know it or not, you're in a spiritual warfare. How many of y'all agree? Okay. There, there is a demonic world. There, there, the Bible even says that, that, that Satan is the God of this age. He's the God of the air. And, and I think that, wow, God already knew way back then that the enemy was going to take over the airwaves and the media, social media, all that. Okay? So... In Romans 8, he talks about all the spiritual warfare, and then he comes to verse 26 and says, Paul speaking, likewise the Spirit, capital S. When you read these scriptures, you need to check out which is the capital S and the little s. He says, likewise the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit himself, makes intercession for us. How, how many of you have ever been in, in a dire situation and you did not know what to pray? Come on. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit just comes in and he begins to pour into you, gives you a rhema word maybe, gives you a word of knowledge, but all of a sudden you, you feel the presence of God and he's, and he's bringing peace to you. He's bringing answers to you. And you didn't know what to pray, how to pray, and you just, just groaned. Ah! God, What? Anybody ever been there? Dire situations. He says the Holy Spirit just comes in. Did you know the Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for the saints? He knows what intercession is. But sometimes we don't know what it, we don't know how to pray. That's why it's so awesome if you can come to this place of saying, I don't know, but I really want to know how to pray in the Spirit, Pastor. I really want to know how to pray in the Spirit because I'm in some things right now. I don't understand it. I don't have understanding of it. And if I pray this way, I think I'm praying wrong. If I pray, listen, when you pray in the Spirit, you can't pray wrong. Because He's praying for you and through you. Are you following me? Now look at Jude. This, this is another passage where, where, where it speaks of, of building up our faith. It says, but you... And go get, again, go read the context of this. Paul's warning believers, uh, there's a dark demonic presence. And then he says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. That's a continual building on your most holy faith, praying where, how? In the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, I believe he's talking about a prayer language here. Now, you can debate that all you want, and I'm not an expert on this, okay? I'm just, I'm reading scriptures. You're reading scriptures. There's about, one of the most divisive issues in all the church is tongues. Most divisive, and I think, well, God, if you knew it was going to be so divisive, why don't you put it in there? You ever wonder stuff like that? You ever think about stuff like that, Mark? If, If it's so divisive, why did he leave it in there? Because he knew it was necessary. He knew it was going to be divisive. But there's a lot of things that are divisive in the Word of God. A lot of things. 
And he, and he tells them, you need to build up your most holy family. How many of you have ever been so low that you didn't know how to pray? I'm not talking about in dire circumstances. You're just like depressed. How many have ever been depressed? You didn't know how to pray. And God says, okay, I can help you with that. I'm going to pray with you if you'll just allow me to. If you'll let me have control. See, that's what tongues are about. I, I believe a lot of tongues is about control. Because I didn't used to speak in tongues. I didn't have a prayer language at all. I was a good old Baptist boy. Before that, I was a good old, per- I was a Church of God boy. And you know what? We were a Church of God, and you've heard me say this before, but there's a lot of new people here. I was, I was brought up in the Church of God until I was 19 then, then, or 20, and um, we, are, we were the uh, Anderson, Indiana, Anderson, Indiana Church of God. We were not the Cleveland, Tennessee, crazy people Church of God. You know what I'm saying? We were proud of it, too. And, and it was the funniest thing because we used to say, I'm from the Church of God, the non-Pentecostal version. Thought, well, how ugly is that? When Pentecost is incredibly important in the Bible. And we, we you know, he says that some incredible things happened at Pentecost. And I said, well, I'm not a part of Pentecost. Well, that's like saying I don't want to be a part of Jesus, you know. And then, we, then I became a Baptist. I converted to, ba- to be a Baptist, and, and I, I got a lot of freedom through that. I learned a lot from the Church of God roots. I learned a lot from my Baptist roots. Uh, I learned about grace. I didn't understand that before. I was all in legalism, then I began to learn about grace. But then I also learned that there's only so far you can go with a Baptist. Mm. Oh. Okay, we're going to get past that wall. Come on. Oh, oh. Well, how do I get from here to there? Well, you don't. You just read the word and you do what they tell you to do and you don't try to find out anything for yourself. Anybody ever been there? Wait for the preacher to tell you what to do next. And probably you're all thinking, well, I'm actually doing that right now, Pastor. <laughs> I don't want you to just take what I say for verbatim. I want you to go and study the word for yourself. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. They're under the chairs. Grab one. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. Last thing you have is, you should ever have an excuse for is, I don't have the Word of God. Because they're everywhere. You got it on your phones. Delete some of those other apps and add a, a Bible app to your phone. <laughs> Every version. But Paul says, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. I believe that there's a lot of confusion in the church because of certain scriptures that people go, well, is that praying in tongues? Is that speaking in tongues? Is that the gift of tongues? Or is that interpretation of tongues? Or is that a private prayer language? Anybody ever heard all those things? Come on, raise your hands, lift them up. That's the word, word, participatory. Did you hear that word coming out of my mouth? Participatory. So it's, it's not bad to have questions, okay? It is not bad to have questions about it. It's not bad to go, I don't understand it, Pastor. In fact, this teaching really is, is not really a Sunday morning teaching. I'll just tell you that. Uh, we can only teach so much on a Sunday morning. This is like a group setting teaching where you can ask questions. Where you can say, tell your experiences, because everybody has different experiences with tongues. Everybody has different experiences with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not a bad thing. God doesn't like to be locked into a mold. 
He didn't like to be locked into a box. It's going to happen this way for you. It's going to happen that way for you. And sometimes I think in the church, and I have a problem with that, I do, that we get into a rhythm of a mode, and this is how it's going to happen. Anybody know? You tracking with me? You, this is how it's going to happen because that's the way it happened last Sunday. We're going to do it this way, this Sunday, the same way this Sunday because it looked like it worked last Sunday. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I wasn't at church. Nobody touched me on the head. I didn't fall back. I didn't begin speaking in tongues. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you know, I believe this. This is my personal opinion. I believe you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues. But I've heard people say, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? You know, that's in that scripture. That's in Acts. Such as, it's not in there. Uh-oh, it got quiet in here. All my charismatic friends are like, uh-oh. He's treading on dangerous ground now. Because I don't believe that. I believe that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not have the gift of tongues. But I also believe you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not have the gift of miracles. Or the gift of prophecy. Or the gift of the other, all the other gifts. Y'all understand what I'm saying? We have locked that one in. We, we have made that one because we've seen some scriptures where when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. But not all the time that it happened in scripture. So, since it got so quiet, <laughs> do not let the enemy put condemnation on you if you don't speak in tongues or have a private prayer language. I've got a few amens in that. Right, that's right. You are not a less than Christian. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Is this making sense? Because, see, sometimes we think, well, I go to a charismatic church, but I don't operate in that, and I just feel like I'm not like as good as some of these other people. And we start comparing ourselves to each other, and comparison is what? The robber of joy. And then here's the other thing. If you do have those, if you do operate in those gifts, don't think you're better than them. Because you're not. I'm not. Never, he said, never to think more highly of yourselves than you ought. I ought to be able to walk hand in hand with my brother whether he speaks in tongues or not. And if he says, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know what I want to see? The evidence. What's the evidence? What is the evidence? Acts 1.8. Turn to Acts 1.8. This is my go-to verse when I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in John uh, Jesus, after he was resurrected, he, believed, he breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe every Christian, every person that ever says yes to Jesus Christ, you surrender your life to him, you say, Yes, I'm going to make you Lord of my life. I believe every, birth, every Christian that does that has the indwelling Holy Spirit in them. Because if you don't, you're not saved. Okay? Y'all follow me? So Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. <sighs> I believe they were saved that moment. Now, some people would say they were saved before because they were just following Jesus. I, I believe when he breathed on them because he was resurrected, it, that's after he had died for our sins. You understand? And that, after the resurrection, he believed, breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he said, after he said that, he said, now go wait for the baptism. Go wait for the power to come upon you. Yeah. Say upon. upon. So when we get saved, he comes in and baptism of the Holy Spirit, he comes upon. Say upon again. And Jesus said this in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. Say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, San Angelo and Merchant and Ballinger and Cristobal and Robert Lee and everywhere. All the earth. 
But that's, the, that's what Jesus said. He said, when the power comes beyond, upon you, you shall be witnesses to me. He didn't say you'll speak in tongues. Now, he did say that in another, in another verse in, in Mark. But right here, he said, you go wait for the power because we need to win the world. And if you don't have this power, you're not going to be able to go out and, and, and win the world for Jesus Christ. You can have the indwelling spirit and you can live and you can be a nice, quiet little Christian and you can walk through this life and you can die and you can go to heaven or you can get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power can come upon you and hit you and he can change the direction of your life like he changed mine, like he changed my wife's. But so many people are just, I think I preached this the last time I preached. So many of us want to be in the safe zone with Christ. It's really, there's no, that, that's not a place he wants us to stay. You know, I don't, listen, I know people say this, and I've said this before too. I want to go to a church where I'm comfortable. I don't want you to be comfortable here. I don't think God wants us to be comfortable. He wants us to be active. He wants us to be where we're supposed to be. I understand that part of the comfort thing. I, I'm not dissing that part of it. But he wants us to be so, enge- and so challenged. I feel like if I don't challenge you every Sunday, I'm not doing what God's called me to do. I don't think Paul, Paul ever wrote a book that he didn't challenge people. Step out of whatever you get away from that. He, he was always challenging people. To, and he said, but to do this, you need to pray in the Spirit. People go, I, I just don't know how to do that, Pastor. I've surrendered everything I know to God. How do I pray in the Spirit? How, how do I get past me? And that's what praying in the Spirit does. It gets past you. You know what I'm talking about? It gets past you. It gets past your intellect, your pride. It gets past your knowledge. It gets past your religion. It gets past all that. And then you begin to pray in the Spirit. And you don't even know what you're praying. And so if we don't know what we're praying... As good Americans, we don't like to do things that we don't understand that we're doing. Just saying, right? I like to understand what I'm doing. Help that child. <laughs> Paul says that we should desire all the gifts. But you know what one, which one he said to desire the most? Prophecy, yeah. I I struggle with tongues uh, because I I didn't have an understanding of it. If you're struggling with tongues, an unknown language, whatever you want to call it, uh, can I tell you my own personal thing? This is personally. I didn't understand that I had to be a part of it. I didn't understand that I actually had to participate with it. I just thought if I said, God, I want the gift of tongues. And I prayed this back when I was in the Church of God because I saw it in Scripture. I want the gift of tongues. (laughs) Right? Anybody else do that? Okay, here I am. Do your best. Come on, God. Holy Spirit, start speaking. So I was waiting for that language to come out of my my mouth. As crazy as I thought it was. Anybody else like that? Just me. A few honest people here. Then I heard a teaching. Robert Morris had this great teaching. He said, if you have the gift of giving, he said, you don't walk up to the front 
have the gift of giving and the uh, money Paul flies out of your pocket. <laughs> you know, the, you're at, somehow mysteriously billfold comes out and the check starts getting written. God's writing the check and putting it in the offering plate for you. No, you have to do. You have to participate that. Was that right? Yeah. If you have the gift of, if you have the gift of uh, uh, laying on of hands, do you have to lay on hands? Yeah. I, I think so. You have to participate. If you have the gift of prophecy, don't you have to actually speak? Okay, you get a word of knowledge. Hey, that's a great word. No, you have to speak it. So if you have the gift of tongues, then you have to speak it. I think that there are different tongues, and you can go back and read 1 Corinthians 14, because we don't have time to cover it all. But I believe that the gift of praying in the Spirit is different than gift of speaking in tongues where there needs to be an interpretation. And I think that can, is confusing in the church because a lot of you pray really loud in your prayer language. I'm looking at a certain group of people. And you're like, what? Oh. No, not, I'm not talking about Pam. And she was already approached about this. Somebody said, well, where's your interpretation for that? Well, that's my prayer language. See, there could be some confusion there. Anybody, y'all follow me? I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm just saying sometimes we do things a little bit. We don't, we're not sure. And that's why 1 Corinthians 14 says if somebody comes in, they're not a believer. And that's why you don't hear it so much on a Sunday morning. Because if there are unbelievers that are coming in here, and I just started praying or speaking in tongues and there was no interpretation, they're going to get out, out of their chair and they're going to get out of here as fast as they can. Because they think you're crazy. That's why there needs to be an interpretation if there is a tongue. But if there's a prayer language and it's very loud, somebody's going to expect that to be interpreted. Okay? I'm just saying. We need to get things in order. Getting back to my own. So we had a lady over at our, our house, and Mary Lou said, this lady's come. We're still in the Baptist church. And... Uh, she needed prayer for cancer, and her, her pastor said, we don't believe in prayer like that anymore. We just give that, give, leave that to the doctors. So she came over for prayer, and we laid our hands on anointed her with oil and prayed for her. She's still living. <laughs> Glory to God. Just heard from her the other day. And I went back in the kitchen, and I just started. Merely said, you, you, you're praying. I said, no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. I said, what? She said, yes, you are. I said, well, I can do that anytime. Hmm. See, a lot of people are afraid to get a prayer language because they think they're going to be going down the aisle of Walmart. And they think it's going to just go off and all of a sudden they, they don't. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So don't think that's going to happen. I've heard it happen to one person. She did it at a drive through window. <laughs> just, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, she's just doing a drive through window, ordering a hamburger and started speaking in tongues to the person at the window. And I'm thinking if I was serving that hamburger, I'd say, here, it's free, go. <laughs> Must be a terrorist. <laughs> but I had to engage my mouth with the Spirit of God. I had to actually start moving my mouth. And some people go, well, all I had was Ba 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 ba, and they think they're the Beach Boys, you know. <laughs> ba 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 yeah, yeah. Or yabba dabba doo. They think it's yabba dabba doo. 
And it may be yabba dabba doo. It may be yabba dabba doo. I knew a lady that had a prayer language, and hers was bobbity, 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 bobbity. <laughs> and I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm serious. And I made fun of her, and I had to ask God to forgive me. Because that was her prayer language. How many of you had babies? How many of you were a baby? <laughs> oh, some of you just started out as an adult? This is my son. He was born yesterday. He's 18. <laughs> How do babies talk? Sounds like tongues, doesn't it? Do you understand what they're saying? Oh, sometimes you do. Yeah. They can say in tongues and you say, yeah, I'm hungry. Right? Okay. Your tongues, it may be elemental. It may be, it may be very basic. So who, who's to say it's not right or wrong? Why would anybody want to pray in tongues and counterfeit it? I've always wondered about that. Why would anybody want to have a prayer language and fake it? See, we think we're faking it sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Sometimes we think we're faking it because we're just making noises. And God says, no, that's okay. It's okay. You're just making a noise to me. I love it. You may not wish, you don't even know what you're saying here. You know what you're praying here, but I know. See, we have to get past this idea that it's some, some super spiritual, God's just going to, and you're just going to, it's going to be fluid. And come out of your mouth like, 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 a, a, like a, a rushing waterfall. Because it may not be that way. I've heard people say, well, you know what? I've got my prayer language, but it's just one word. I said, well, that's boring. <laughs> duh, you know? No, no, it's not duh, but. It's okay if you don't have some fluent dialect that sounds like it's some far lost language from China. And some people, see, I, I believe that the gift of tongues is I could go to Mexico and I don't speak Spanish and I could preach in English so they would understand me in Spanish. I know, I know of instances where that happened. That's a gift. So there's a variety of them. So when Paul's talking about praying, different kind of prayers, he's also praying, pray in your prayer language. Get in your prayer closet. Dadgummit. 12 o'clock. I was just getting started. I'm three weeks behind. <laughs> Told you we shouldn't have done that last song. Okay, go ahead and stand up. We'll get you out of here. <laughs> Ministry team. Because I want to close with this while they're getting ready. You can do all this, church. And listen to me. Don't start picking your purses up. Please don't start leaving. We had two or three weeks ago, we had a mass exodus of people. And I'm going to tell you, if, if, if you've got to leave early, sit in the foyer or somewhere. But I'm telling you, it was so disruptive. It was so disruptive. Uh, Holy Spirit is trying to move, and people are all moving. Okay? So if you're on the ministry team, that's who's getting around. They're getting around, circling around. The, they're circling the wagons. Let me, let me close with this. And, and I got a lot more, but this is, this is the main thing. If you put on all this armor and you pray, but you don't put on love, 
All this that we've been preaching about is for naught. Everything that we talked about is for naught if you don't have love. Sandwiched between the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and the gifts in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, <clears throat> i got to stop. I've got I've to make something very clear here. You may speak like the in the tongues of angels, but if you don't have love, you're just like a bunch of noise. You ever know people like that? They're loud. They, they may pray in a language. They may do all that, but they don't have love in their heart, and you don't want to be around them. So if you're going to put the armor of God on this morning, and you're going to put armor up, and you're going to begin to pray, listen, if love is not the overriding piece of armor. He says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.8 But let us who are of the day, he's talking about the end times, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. 1 Corinthians 13.13 13 says and now abide faith, hope, and love but the greatest of these is love. 